Welcome to the Christian Wealth Podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth, and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. As we do on a Wednesday each week at this time, we like to address your questions around Christians and money. Our talkback line is open right now on 1-800-316-316. Alex Cook, who's the founder of Wealth With Purpose, our special guest. Alex, a special welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you again. Alex, uh, while listeners are uh, thinking through a question and calling on 1-800-316-316, let's talk interest rates and the idea mm. of negative interest rates. I mentioned uh, the Australian cash rate, 0.1%, and uh, APRA, the financial regulator, writing to Australian banks, asking them if they're prepared for negative rates. Alex, let's start with the obvious. What does negative interest rates mean? What's that all about? Yeah, well, look, so let's start even, let's go back even one step further in what, what are interest rates. And really, interest rates themselves are the price of money. So you go to a bank and you borrow money. They, in theory, assess it on the base of risk. And the higher the risk, the higher the interest rate. So that's sort of the, the concept, if you like, behind it. But central banks, like Australia's Reserve Bank, they set a thing called the cash rate. Now, the cash rate is simply the rate that they use when they're charging commercial banks for loans between the central bank and themselves. And it is the rate that banks really use as a guide to how much they should be lending out. So if interest rates, um, if the central bank wants to lower rates, and the, the reason why they want to lower rates is generally because they want to stimulate the economy, because when rates come down, what that does is it... Um, obviously reduces the cost of money to borrow, uh, which means people can borrow more, um, businesses can borrow more so they can invest in you know plants and equipment and so forth. And so that stimulates the economy. The reverse is also true, you put up rates and that slows down the economy, which they may wanna do from time to time. It is a bit of a blunt instrument in the sense, in the, in the sense it's, you know, it's far from perfect, but it's one of the tools that the central bank can use. And of course, now we have this strange concept of negative rates. Now, I think if you'd said to someone 10 years ago uh, that you would earn a negative interest rate on your bank account, people probably would have laughed at you and maybe said it was a conspiracy theory. Um, but now uh, it's a real possibility. And it's actually been going on for years in Europe uh, where you literally put your money in the bank and you get less than what you would otherwise, as in you get back less if you pull your money out. Um, Japan has been doing it for probably the longest. I think they're close to 20 years now. Uh, and it is a thing that I think is highly probable that it will come to Australia next year, or maybe possibly even earlier, where the, the Reserve Bank of Australia will want to encourage spending. So they want to essentially, it's like a tax on savings, if you like, and rates turn negative. So you're getting a negative interest rate on your bank account. Um, and uh, that's designed to really force you to go out and spend your money to kind of prop up the economy. So that's why they want to do it. Um, but it's it leads to all sorts of funny sort of anomalies. I mean, in Denmark now, which has interest rates at minus half a percent, um, Australians would probably be interested to know that in Denmark, you can get a home loan for 20 years at 0% interest. <laughs> right. So... This is crazy. All these sort of crazy things um, going on that, as I say, you never would have predicted before. But the main issue, from an Australian point of view, is that if you have your money in the bank, you're actually going to affect 
effectively get taxed on it. That's essentially what will happen in the sense that the rate will be negative and you'll actually be having money okay. taken out of your account rather than added to your account. Okay, hold a thought on that. We're coming back to this. Uh, the idea of uh, decreasing interest rates, the idea there, of course, uh, causing us all to want to spend any money that we might have that's spare. We'll come back to that. Let's take a call, though. Addison is in Mount Barker in Western Australia. Hello, Addison. Welcome along. Well, actually, it's Anderson. But oh, sorry, Anderson. Too worried about that, mate. Yeah. Anderson, what That's are your right, thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> um, me all sorts of things, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, look, I've been wanting to get Alex's uh, view on a, on, a, on a certain topic for some time. I've never been near the phone when I could call. Um, I've often heard Alex say, and many other financial planners say, you must diversify your your holdings. Um, and that's fine, no, no, no issue with it. My question is about what you understand. I have pretty much everything in property, in like in real estate land, um, and I sort of understand that more than I understand anything else. So diversification is one thing, but actually knowing what you're doing is another thing, perhaps. So uh, I, I've been comfortable riding the ups and downs on that because I, I know what it is and no one can steal it from me. Um, I just wonder what you'd... Uh, what your thoughts on that sort of position is, Alex? Alex, sorry, yeah, Alex. yeah, fa- no, it's a fantastic question, um, and there's two two parts to it because one is the diversification part, and the other thing is knowing what you're investing in. Um, so many people would have heard of Warren Buffett, probably the world's most famous share market investor, a very wealthy American guy, um, and his his rule, if you like, and he's got many rules that he puts out there, but one of them is never invest in something you don't understand. Uh, so that's a very good principle. And as you've said in your experience, you know, you've invested in real estate and land and so forth. Um, so if you know an, a particular area really well, as in you know the share market and you know um, the property market or any other investment market, then of course diversification becomes less of an issue to the extent that you know what you're doing, you know what you're getting yourself into, you know what the risks are. So in that sense, I fully agree with you. Um, from a biblical perspective, there's a passage, it says, it's Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2. It says, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight, because you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Um, which really is what, as as you said, what most financial planners will say to you, and that is you diversify, um, you don't put all your eggs in one basket, etc. So that's, that's a really useful principle that I think people should apply, particularly as the average person has limited knowledge on investing in the sense that, you know, most of us have our different skill sets. You know, some of us might be a plumber or a nurse or we don't all know about investing. And therefore, the principle of diversification is especially important so that we protect the, the capital that God, you know, entrusts to us. Um so in that sense, I think diversification is very wise. Um, but equally, I would add on to it what you've said, and that is you've always got to know what you're investing in. Uh, and particularly, I think one thing in our culture now is we don't like to take personal responsibility anymore. We want to outsource it to someone else. So you've got someone else to blame. When I think in reality, whether you see a financial planner or not, the issue is that you always take responsibility for how you're managing the money that God has entrusted to you. So there's an onus on us to understand what it is where we're buying and being good stewards with God's capital. So um, yeah, so I would say diversify. 
Um, but you've got to diversify also just for other practical reasons, such as liquidity, you know, making sure you have money available to you when you need it. Because if you've obviously got all your money tied up in land or real estate, it's generally illiquid, so it's hard to get your money back. So there are practical reasons for diversifying um, as well beyond just simply, um, you, know, run, you know, worried about losing money. Anderson, is that helpful? No, that's an interesting perspective and thank you for it. Anderson from Mount Barker, thanks so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 if you have a question for Alex. Uh, Alex, just uh, let's touch on uh, the issues of property and what other investments we might have if interest rates go negative. The idea that the government wants to stimulate the economy further by making it unattractive to hold cash. Some people will be thinking uh, property holdings. Others might think uh, the stock market. What are your thoughts for the sorts of things we ought to be thinking about given the prediction that you're making that things are on the way to getting a bit tougher for next year? Yeah, look, I mean, I guess the, the, the reason why we think this may happen, I mean, APRA is already sort of warning us. You can see their messaging out there, you know, asking the Australian banks, are they prepared for it? So you can see why it's going to why it may happen. And the question, of course, is why would the Reserve Bank of Australia go negative? And the main issue is that they want to prop up the economy. They want to keep stimulating it so that people keep spending. So that's the logic behind it. Um, but in terms of how do you deal with it, and that's where it's challenging because you've got to remember when it comes to investing, there's always trade-offs, okay? There's risks uh, of doing things and so forth. So where I feel particularly sorry for is retirees where when you get to retirement, you know, your income has dried up as in your salaried income and all of a sudden you've got a certain amount of capital that you want to have carry you through for the remainder of your life and so your risk tolerance is typically lower and so having uh, money in conservative assets like cash and bonds has historically been a, a safeish place to it or at least a place to reduce your volatility um, but now what's happening is if we go negative retirees and in fact they're already having to do this now are forced to take on more risk in order to get the same return in fact Technically, a, ret a retiree in today has to take three times as much risk or accept three times as much volatility as what they did 20 years ago because rates have come down so much over that 20-year period. So in terms of where you can put your money, though, well, obviously, you still need liquidity. So you still need some cash. It's In, in, in Sweden, it's actually led to very funny things. People are actually prepaying their taxes. So that way, rather than having the money sit in their own bank account, they're having it sit in the tax office bank account so that they're not getting the negative rate of return. So it's led to all sorts of funny behavior. Other things, of course, is potentially putting your money in foreign currency where those currencies aren't attracting negative rates. But of course, you're then exposing yourself to currency risk. So there's, you know, there's a potential risk for doing that. There's things like holding tangible assets. So property, I think, is a good example. So long as it's paying you a reasonable yield, um, and really, that's what's happening. When you think about what's gone on with the housing market in the last 18 months, it's shot up because rates have come down. So you'd expect that if interest rates go negative in Australia, property may creep up even further, which is hard to believe given how crazily priced many things are. But that's likely to be an outcome of negative rates, that properties go up even further. Um, you can also hold what I call high quality bonds. So things like, you know, AAA rated government bonds, because if interest rates fall, 
bond prices, and just without getting too technical here, bond prices work inversely to yield. So if yields fall, as in interest rates fall, bond prices rise. So if we go negative on the cash rate, you would expect that bond prices would rise. Now, I don't expect that to go on forever, particularly if inflation takes off, but that would certainly what you'd expect in the short term. Um, the other place is putting your money in high quality companies that pay dividends. In other words, companies are going to pay you a good um, good income stream when you're you know you're retired or even if you're not retired. Um, but with those companies that we're talking about, when I say high quality, I mean companies that are going to be around rain, hail, or shine. So if you think about AGLs over 120 years old, and we're all going to still need electricity and gas, that's an essential service. So you would assume they're going to keep paying dividends, or a Coles or Woolies. You know, we're all going to have to still shop, so you'd expect their dividends to continue. So there's other ways of getting income, but keep in mind there's always a trade-off. So if you're buying shares, you are going to have to accept volatility as well. There is no sort of, if you like, perfect solution to it, but there are certainly ways of getting income, that's for sure. More on how we might prepare in just a few moments. Let's take another call, though. Sterling is on the line from Ararat in Victoria. Hi, Sterling. Welcome along. Hi, good morning. Hi. Thanks, Neil. Alex, good morning, mate. I was just Wanted to ask a question. You were saying that if interest rates go into the negative, that'll bite into your savings to try and stimulate spending. How would that work on a mortgage if it goes into negative? Does that mean would that come off the principal borrowed? Yeah. So if um, if interest rates go negative, um, then you would assume that mortgage rates are going to go even lower. Uh, at the moment, the average home loan I think is over two and a half percent. Although you know, if you shop around and get below two percent, um, you would expect those rates will come even lower. I doubt home loan rates would ever go negative. Um, although I do believe there's one bank now, I think it's in Denmark, uh, I can't remember the name of it, where the home loan itself is negative interest rates at negative half a percent. So in other words, your home loan is actually crediting interest to you every month rather than uh, deducting interest. So I don't know if we'll ever see it that, that extreme here, um, but that's certainly a possibility. But you would assume that home loan rates potentially could come even lower. Now, there are other offsetting factors to that because at the end of the day, banks have to get their funding from somewhere. And a lot of the, some of the funding comes from offshore investors. Um, some of it comes from the Reserve Bank. So it all comes, and a lot of it just comes from depositors. And of course, if the banks lower interest rates for depositors, then a lot of depositors presumably are going to want to take their money out. So there's all sorts of potential complications, but you would assume that home loan rates could go even lower than they are today. Sterling, is that helpful? Yeah, very helpful. Thanks for that. Have a great day. Thanks, Sterling. Thanks. Just a few minutes remaining for our conversation, Alex. If we're sort of topping off this segment and coming back to this idea of negative interest rates, uh, all sorts of things happening here on our shores in Australia, but this is not the only influence. No doubt what's happening internationally may affect what happens with our economy here. Uh, the idea of inflation increasing because of uh, all of the stimulus money that's gone into economies all around the world. What are your thoughts here on just perhaps uh, some digging a little deeper on the outlook and the likelihood of this uh, situation of negative interest rates? 
Yeah, look, it's a great question, and it's it's a very challenging environment because of all the stimulus and the distortions it's caused. But if you look in America, inflation is is shot up in the last uh, six months. It's running at over five percent per annum. So if with higher inflation, you generally expect the opposite to what we're talking about. You expect higher interest rates. Um, in order to try and bring uh, inflation under control. So that's what you would normally expect. But the question is, what is triggering that inflation? Now, part of what's triggering it is supply shortages. If you talk to people in the construction industry or many industries, retailers and so forth, there is often a lack of supply of things at the moment because of the breakdown due to coronavirus. There's a breakdown in supply chains and so forth. So if that's the case, that's what's driving some of that inflation at the moment. Um, and that could easily be obviously improved through improved supply chain. But there's a view by many economists that it's just transitory. And if that's the case, you know, inflation, you'd expect it to settle back down. But if the economy start to tip over into recession, and that's, I think, a very big risk here in Australia, because of all these lockdowns, you'd expect that. Um, therefore, they may try and stimulate it through the opposite, which is lowering rates even further, which is what we're talking about. So the outlook is pretty muddy, if you like, but I suspect, and you know, you'll know, you talk to different economists to tell you different things, is that inflation will turn out to be temporary and we may be sitting more in a deflationary environment in 12 months' time, and hence rates, and hence rates going lower and negative potentially here in Australia. Okay, so uh, as a biblical stewardship of the assets that God has given to us, uh, the idea that, yes, we're called to be generous with those, but also no doubt to uh, increase those assets, uh, having wealth with purpose. Uh, let's just quickly uh, go through very quickly as we just top things off uh, some of those points on how we can prepare for the times ahead. Um, the idea of prepaying taxes was one you mentioned. What were the yeah. other things? What were the other things you're saying? Well, look, I think if you are in debt, and obviously many Australians have home loans, I would really say to people, use this opportunity to pay off your debts as quick as you can. You know, you may have an opportunity to refinance your home loan at much lower rates than what we've ever seen in history. So really use it as a chance to pay off your debt. So that way, if inflation does ever become a problem in the future, you have, you're already got a huge buffer to, to absorb higher rates. Um, try also not to get sucked into borrowing too much money, because I think one of the dangers in this environment is because money is so cheap, there's a danger of wanting to go and borrow even more money than you otherwise would have, which makes you very vulnerable if rates do eventually rise. Um, as I say, there are other things that you can look at. So things like tangible assets, you, you may own a bit of gold, but that gold has also some pros and cons to it, uh, mainly the fact that it doesn't pay you an income. Uh, and other tangible assets, high quality bonds, high quality stocks that are going to pay you an income stream. So there's lots of things you can do. Do, but it needs to be done in the context of actually one of the caller's questions, Anderson, which is this idea of the need to diversify, make sure you've always got liquidity. So make sure you've always got emergency money. So if you do lose your job, you can write it out. Um, there's all those little practical things you can put in place um, to prepare for this kind of environment. But also, as you say, you've got to live generously. Maybe if you're getting a negative rate uh, on your bank account, you're better off giving the money away rather than having it sit in your bank account going backwards. Okay. Well, so Alex, lots of things Cook, we can do. 
Uh, wonderful, great insights there today. Uh, Alex, the founder of Wealth With Purpose, the Ask Alex segment this time each Wednesday. Uh, you'll be able to call in. Uh, you might have a question, though, you want to pose for Alex. You can do that. There is an Ask Alex post on our Vision Facebook page today. You can leave a question there. Uh, you can also be in contact with Alex, his website, wealthwithpurpose.com. You can follow him on Facebook and on Twitter. There is also an Ask Alex email, askalex at wealthwithpurpose.com. Alex, great insights. Thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you as always.